to the final show of season four of LOI Weekly. It's episode 30 of myself, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. Uh, we're here to crown Dundalk the FAI Cup winners, denying Shamrock Rovers a Dublin dramatic circumstances at Lansdowne Road in extra time and making an absolute fool of me in the process. Uh, it seems like I'm actually motivating underdogs to win the FAI Cup now for several years at this stage. Uh, but we have on the show Johnny Dunleavy, who was part of one of said teams, Cork City, back in the day. And uh, we have Rory Higgins, the Chief Scout of Ireland and their opposition analysts as well. Uh, so we've a packed show today to get through um, the 2020 season in all its glory and it's all, in all its uh, bizarre nature, really. Good morning to you lads. Uh, good morning, good morning to you lads. Indeed, it's good to good to good to hear from you both. Good morning, morning man. How are we? Good. Yeah, uh, good. It's good to see you, Johnny. We were uh, we were a little bit worried for you there. You went missing for a few days. You're you're all right. <laughs> uh, good, it was one of the most noticeable digital silences of all time. <laughs> it has to be said, Johnny. Can we just go back to last Thursday night for starters? Can we? The dog female on Thursday. Now you've you've already spoken about this in other places. What, what happened? What happened uh, to you last Thursday? Dundalk produced a fairly limp performance and lost 3-1. That's what happened. And, uh, no, what happened to you? They what brought it to, to five games in the group stages without a point and they brought it to six games last night without a point. <laughs> but uh, just just to, to, to bring back to the matter, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Um, it does remind me of the story of the lad who crashed the car at home. He, he An old lad at home where I'm from, he, uh, he went on dry November. Now, he would have been uh, fond of the old points. So he went on dry November went on the beer early in December, crashed the car, and his immediate response was, this, this would never have happened if I'd gone off the beer in November. So I had been off the beer in November, and uh, I had a few beers for the Dundalk game, and uh, maybe the old IPAs were a bit strong, but more or less, I stand by what I say. I think Rovers would have done okay in that group. Um, if you look into the game last night, if say if Arsenal went into that game with nothing to play for, and the Dundalk went into the game, um, with uh, a crowd behind them, they might have made something of the game, but four points could have gotten you second in that group if Arsenal had won all yeah. the So I think, yeah, but, but Johnny, think, yeah, but just, let's just go back to the point of hand here. So, like, so a third, third of the 12th, Gano just said Dundalk go into Sunday on a high. That's the level Dundalk have been at this year. This is this is a 25 past 10 on December the 3rd. You didn't yeah. appear online in any format for. For another six days, so like there was a game on Sunday, you were getting a lot of comments aimed in your direction. Radio silence, like no. I, w- I I I I suppose I woke up a little bit hungover on Friday and was probably getting um, you know a lot of uh, I wouldn't say abuse but a lot of people kind of question my general sanity which is fair enough including yourself on Friday so I was just like uh, like I have had obviously spells where I I think social media is is a, a love hate relationship with it which is fair enough I don't think it really helps anyone's lives um, but in any event I was like oh god probably had a few too many beers last night I did think it was hard to believe that Sean Gannon would say that they went into the game on a high considering they'd lost five games in a row they were outplayed by Molde I mean getting a, a consolation goal going into the game on a high I thought was a strange thing to say I don't think Stephen Kenny would have um, embraced that attitude in 2016 when they did so well in the groups and I think Dundalk should be better than that I think they should have gotten something out of the group in terms of points I think Shamrock Rovers would have done better in the groups which is fair enough to say they were miles ahead of them this year in the league they weren't miles ahead of them on Sunday though and uh, it was good to get a bit of banter with Patrick Hooban again afterwards um, you know, which John- Johnny, Johnny, just uh, I think you're going off subject slightly here. So you, you can throw punches, but it very much looks like you can't take them. 
I absolutely can, Higgs. I've, well, well you, like, as Dan just, Dan just gave you a stat there, you, you were on very, very uh, vocal online, and then all of a sudden, you just go offline. And no, I, I get plenty of replies on Thursday, but then on, on Friday, it was like, I actually was probably quite busy on Friday as well. I was like, oh, God, I can't be dealing with this. And then, like, whatever. I mean, but like the, Sunday after the game, did yeah, not Sunday was neither here nor there. I, I yeah. tipped. Let, let I me, thought let Sunday me just... was particularly rude now, John. You know, Pat was being very nice, inviting you out. Like, you know what I mean? And you just completely ignored him. <laughs> it was. It, it's not any crack, any crack. Like, it's a very you know, normal. How are you keeping? You know, how have you been? Maybe a bit worried that you've been. I got a couple of messages from, you know, players as well just inquiring about your whereabouts in, in fairness it's, it's, very, it's very very good to know that there's people just really want to know where you are there, there you know? is that in, in fairness to Pat like he did play a massive role in all of Macmillan's goals in the FAI Cup this season so I'd imagine whoa 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 just let me let me just settle wait, down Johnny let me just <laughs> this and let's get let, did you have a get, drink last night as well <laughs> <laughs> I actually morning. I didn't have a drink last you're night ta- you're, 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 you're disrespecting the the Okay, record, okay. okay. Let's, 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 someone let's, who yeah. has been prolific for a number of years in the League of Ireland. He has, and, if not so much. And, 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 but, but, you, but you're constantly at him. Um, I'm not constantly at him. I actually, I actually, I actually texted the Hoovenator, um, you know, best wishes in the birth of his baby recently, and he got back to me. We, we get on very, very well. It sounds like Father mm. Ted here. But before we end up <laughs> with all this nonsense, right, this is, actually, this is actually the preview I wrote for this game. It's very brief. Uh, for the oh, race. here we go. Right. Here we go. Nine of the last 15 FAI Cup finals finished in a draw. Every chance that Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk's game will go to extra time. Rovers have been much the best team this season. However, these sides clash 12 months ago on the final which ended in a draw and the dogs seem to be back to something like that form now after going through the motions for much of the league campaign in the cup quarterfinal they brushed bohemians aside and on that form they have to give it a good go against their hoops Rovers might not be helped by the fact that they've had few games of any real consequence in recent weeks, whereas Dundalk have had plenty. And my last line was, on their day, Dundalk are well up to beating Rovers, and this looks likely to be keenly contested. I recommended the draw at 5-2. So the, what happened on Sunday wasn't a surprise to me. Maybe uh, I actually think Dundalk haven't played a lot of games recently. Stood at them, And in fairness, they came out of a difficult situation, and they've made next season look a lot more interesting. But this shouldn't be about me, just should be about no. the no. The FAI Cup again, and I still think I still like I don't know what do you lads think about the European performance last night. I thought they performed really, really well. It's not the games against Arsenal. I th- I think they should have gotten at least a point in that group. Well, I'm just going to say like your your opinion is it's neither here nor there, but Shamrock Rovers would have given this group a serious rattle, and Bowes would definitely have a point or more at this stage. Now, I'll throw it over to the lads, the the experts here. My opinion on that is. Um, the Shamrock Rovers are a very, very good side. They've been excellent this year, but they could have played pretty well in all six games and got no points. And I don't think you could say with absolute certainty that they would have given the group a rattle or that Bowes, would, who were hammered by the Dock in the Cup semi final, um, you know, the Dock are better than Bowes, let's be honest. Yeah. They, didn't, they finished second, in the, you know, Bowes finished ahead in the league. So we need to say that with certainty. It's a bit of a recurring theme of the year. So you seem to think, you seem to think that everyone in the League of Ireland, apart from the Dock, would be doing better in whatever European game you're watching at that particular time. Whereas my view in the season is that the Dock have actually just played at times in Europe on a level way above what they've shown at home, way above it. And if they played, if they played at that level at home, but then you can't say that and then at the same time start talking about how you know 
Pats and Shells and all these other clubs would have fared against Rapid Vienna and whatnot. Like, like if if Dundalk had brought that level to to league games, uh, Dundalk's performance, Dundalk's performance in Vienna was very, very, very good at times, and mm. they were just unfortunate on the night. And I agree with Dan. You can't say with any like certainty that that Rovers or Bows or anyone would have pick up results because we we don't know basically, but they. they they say that they were poor in Europe, results-wise, yes, but in terms of performance, there were spells in nearly all the games where they held their own and 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 they were brave in possession. Even last night, they're playing against the Premier top Premier League team, and they were trying to play through them. Uh, and they were brave and got on. I think they were poor. To be fair, I think like they, they played actually well in pretty much every game in stages. Just they gave away some very bad goals. I think they'd be disappointed. I agree. They didn't I, agree. I, I, I don't think they I were agree. poor in Europe. I think they were poor in the league. To be honest, I I, th- I think they deserved more out of the group than they got. To be honest, mm. um, just for for certain mistakes and certain games and and conceding goals at bad times. Like you look at Arsenal out in the Emirates, they were. Like, don't get me wrong, Arsenal dominated the ball, but it was in, it was the forty first minute if I'm right in saying where where Arsenal sco- set play, if, if I remember rightly. So um I don't think that they can be ashamed of of, of how they done in the group. Obviously they would have liked better results, but performance wise, I think there was a lot to be positive about in certain games. If if just say if Arsenal win all their games in that group, in in that situation, four points can actually qualify the the second team. Now it would have been a, a massive massive task for Shamrock Rovers, but I think they would have been more competitive. And Bowes are so well coached, I think they would have got one point out of the group. That's all I'm saying. I'm not putting something on Twitter as fact. Twitter is is a, is a basically an uncensored media. It is what it is. You have a few IPAs. You put something out there. You have a bit of debate. But I do I do think, and I know you're going to disagree with me, Johnny Dunleavy on this because you you um you maybe are a bit more I don't pragmatic or realistic. I do think there's a lot of quality in the League of Ireland. And I think in general in Europe, even looking at what Bose did this season, Shamrock Rovers performed quite well against Milan. Um, I think we we we've we've But also struggled at home to a team from Finland who finished mid table. So did. if you're going to pick one off games as a basis for forming an entire opinion on a club then there could be some bloke there could be the Finnish Johnny Ward could be over there now talking about how actually Ilva's Tamperer, who finished fifth in their league, actually could have maybe lost one nil to Milan yeah. or something. I don't like, I don't like it's, it's, yeah. it's sort of like if, if you brought that form guide to your work in racing, like you'd be sort of uh, Johnny yeah. would empathize with this. You'd be talking like it's, it's just it's like a fella back in a horse with a lot of ones next to his name in a shop, you know, a handicapper in a group one and thinking just because they win. Like it's 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 just it's, there's more to it than that. Now, is, I actually, okay. Rovers just, Rovers are far better than that Finnish team. I guess what I'm just saying is that, like in European one-off games, teams, what you see from one team at a given time in a particular game, it does not reflect at the level they are at 100. Oh, so you can, so you can yeah, watch absolutely. Rapid Vienna. You can watch Rapid Vienna against Dundalk at home, and there's no doubt that their performance in that game probably you know, lacked maybe some of the application you would expect from the team at that level. But the fact is, like, they're the second best team in Austria, which is one of the better leagues in Europe out of 55. You look at the results that, like, other, like that team, Wolfsburger, like, beat Feyenoord away and, and at home, I think, as well. Like, so that's like a form guide over a consistent period of time. And what they've shown is that, you know, you can't just watch them once and think, well, all the teams in our league would have a go when you can oh, pick no, one off. No, you can pick absolutely. one off. You can pick it like Derry lost to the worst team in Lithuania. Yeah. You know, Derry lost to the worst team in Lithuania in a one-off game. As I said, Rovers, our best team this year, 
if the penalty shootout had gone against them, the record books would have shown that their European contribution to this season, where they were declared as possibly the best team in recent memory, that their, their European record this year, if they hadn't taken penalties better, and remember that penalty shootout went on forever. It went on, like went down to the yeah. second, second or third. So if that doesn't go their way, the record books would show that the best team in recent memory lost to an average Finnish side in Europe. And that, that you couldn't true. also, you couldn't take that and be, like you could beat that as, you know, with Rovers and the stick. That also wouldn't be fair. And I think I did say this from yesterday. Shamrock Rovers set pieces, right, would have been a massive asset in Europe. Dundalk did very little from set pieces and actually conceded a lot of goals. If you look at Pico Lopez and Jack Byrne, how they've combined in Europe against good teams, I think Rovers would have done well at set pieces, would have defended them better than probably Dundalk have done in this group. And you're talking about fine margins in that regard. Not to mind general play, we saw Dundalk leaking two goals and set pieces again in the cup final. I think they've I think they, they, they weren't at the level that they could have been at in many ways this season. Um, but maybe I'm wrong, Judy. Well, I think your first takeaway from the whole thing should be the next time you start a tweet with it's neither here nor there, you just leave it at that. That's yeah. enough. <laughs> um, but what I would what I would say as well is like there is loads of quality in the League of Ireland. I'm always harping on about it. I think it's underestimated all of that. But you have to remember as well, and I, I think you do this to a degree as well, Johnny, is that you underestimate the quality in the rest of Europe. Mm. Like, for example, you talk about Molda. In the first 15 minutes of the second half, in the first half against Dundalk, it, just take Molda, for example, in the first half against Dundalk, it looked like they were kind of feeling them out, sort of, you know, seeing what they were up against. For the fifth, first 15 minutes of the second half, they were essentially unplayable. And the Dundalk boys will tell you that, like, the levels in Europe are just incredible. Um, bar some individual errors this year, I thought Dundalk acquitted themselves very well. I thought they were excellent to watch last night at times. The the brand of football that they play, um, as 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 Higgsy was saying, like to to play out from the back against a team like that for Gary Rogers to be playing six yard passes from goal kicks, you know it's brave. It's very very brave. And um, no, I, I certainly wouldn't disrespect them. As I say, bar some individual errors, I think they acquitted themselves very very well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I actually enjoyed the game last night. And uh, one thing, Higgs, interested to get your view on this. Um, just just the, the quality of, of technical players coming to the fore. And Jordan Flores, obviously, what he's done over the past, um, you know, what he's done this season, but last night and in the cup final. And also Patrick McElhinney, just in, in, in the patches that he's kind of been involved. And again, he didn't play enough really in the Europa League group stage. But these lads, just technically, they're... They seem to be well able for it at that level, and it's a joy to watch League of Ireland teams doing that. Well, just touching on Jordan first, if you look at it, and Jordan will be the first to admit about 18 months ago, um, he was genuinely considering quitting the game because of his injuries. Um, he's, he's obviously had a few setbacks in his, in his career and his life, so um, for him to, to sort of get to the level he's at now is credit to himself first, and uh, what I would say about Jordan is that he's got a he's got an absolute wand. Of, I know he scored last night with his right foot, but he's one of the best left foots I've ever seen in the game. Uh, brilliant passer of the ball, technically excellent. He has a few aspects that he does need to improve on, and he knows that himself. But in terms of technically and and that left foot, there, there there's not many better left foots around. Um, and I'm delighted to be honest. I'm delighted because he's a brilliant fella. I'm delighted to see the progress that he's made and that. Uh, and going on to Patrick, for me, he's right up there with the most... He's had a lot of setbacks with injury, but if you sort of take that away and you just look at natural talent, 
um, Johnny, I would, I'm sure Johnny would agree with me here that he's right up there with, with, in my opinion, he's right up there with the best, some of the best players in the last 10 years in the League of oh, Ireland. He's, um, he's, he's, he's a joy to watch and I've seen it firsthand. I've played with him first and foremost and I've coached him and in terms of a technician, he's phenomenal and, and, and I, I, th- I thought he looked in the, in the, and he's not even at his fittest. I thought he looked very, very comfortable in the games that he's played in Europe. And I could only imagine him being at his peak fitness at, at that level. But for me, I think he's he's a he's a top class player. Lads, just before we move on, we're actually just going to listen to a bit of audio from Filippo Giovagnoli after last night's game. This is what Gavin McLaughlin did in Dundalk, uh, internal one of the internal press staff at Dundalk, just Filippo's uh, reflections on last night and also the week. Filippo, for the last time this this season, uh, what's your thoughts on the game we've, we've just witnessed? Oh, it was a good performance for sure. Uh, we did really well. We were we we were thinking to to of course defend well, organize, and um, we conceded some cheap goal to be honest. But overall, the performance was was really good. We were really good on the ball, comfortable. The build up was good. We didn't panic, and of course, uh, at this level, if you have some exi- hesitation in, 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 uh, in the defensive third, the, the level of the, the opponent is so high that, that of course, they're going to they're gonna punish you. You mentioned cheap goals. When you look back at this whole Europa League campaign, is that the thing that will frustrate you the most, that some of the goals we've given away? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is something that... We have to work on, right? Um, defensively focused in, in, in every situation. Uh, sometimes we pay more attention in what we have to do with the ball. Um, but we're going to have time to work defensively. I love to do it. I'm Italian, so this is, <laughs> this is clear. So we're going to spend time in pre-season. But overall, was, uh, I think it was a good, a good journey, uh, good experience for the players and, uh, and some really good performance. One of the things you must have been proud of tonight, they kept trying to play football. Even in the even in the late stages, you just kept trying to play it from the absolutely, back. Absolutely, absolutely. This was one of the objectives tonight. Keep on going to play, have the ball, retain the ball, don't give the ball back. Uh, try to defend having the ball. This was the idea, which they did. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. And... Uh, Yes, uh, for me it was a good performance and proud for the, for the players. Some really good individual performance. So, really good overall. As you say, some big positives. Jordan Flowers with another brilliant goal. But Jamie Wynn, 19-year-old kid, coming on for his European debut against Arsenal. What, what a, I, I, know it's, I know there's no supporters here, which is a, which is a big pity, but what a, what, a, what a memory he will have. No, yeah, 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 of course. Was, uh, no, we, we, we like to... To, to start to introduce the players from the academy in our squad. Jamie is doing really well, so he was training really well. He deserves the opportunity. It's been a big couple of days off the field. Your contract has been confirmed. Jim Magilton has been confirmed as our new sporting director. I believe you've spoken to Jim in the, in the past couple of days. What, 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 what can we expect over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, we're going to have a lot, a, lot, a lot to work, me and Jim and the club. Uh, it's going to be a lot to do, so we're going to work even if we are, if we are in a kind of vacation. <laughs> it's not going to be a, really a vacation for me. It's going to be just work, 
home from Italy. And uh, yes, uh, I met Jim. Jim uh, is going to bring his experience, his character, and it's going to be a big plus for the club. Supporters, Filippo, you can understand they're looking to know players' contracts, players' contracts. Can we expect some, some news on that in the next... In the next couple of days? Yes, yes. We're going to start to work. We have no, we have no rush. Uh, we discussed with, our, all of our, with all of our players. Now it's going to be just uh, just make the deal with the contract. That's it. You go back home to Italy. You go back home as an FA Cup winner or FA Cup winner. Third place in the league, Europa League group stages. What, what, have, you, what have you learned in your, your three, four months here? Well, I learned what means play in the League of Ireland. Uh, what is uh, football in this part of the world? But I'm still learning. I, st I will need. I, I still need to to learn. And uh, of course, I think Jim is going to help me a lot to do that with his experience. And uh, I'm looking forward to work with him. And just finally, the important thing is to build on this next year and try and get that league league title back. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna prepare to be to be strong. To, to compete to win the league for sure this is our objective Filippo thanks very much and have a good Christmas back in it thank you so Higgs I mean listen you I mean you're, you're, you're working for the FAI now and you're very much in a you know in a neutral capacity in, in your job but some people listening just are aware you mean you work you've, you've, you've played at Dundalk and you, you've been on the staff and it's, this time last year you were plotting um, you know you were plotting Dundalk remaining at the top of the tree again like what have you made of their season from outside? Because, I mean, Filippo alluded to it there. I mean, it's, there's, there's been highs and lows. The, the, mere, the mere fact that he's come in, you know, is 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 part of that. Uh, and then there's also the appointment to Jim Agilton, which has been referenced there, and the hope that maybe it might lead to a period of stability off the park. Because, listen, it's not... We've talked about it here. It's not exactly a massive exclusive to say it's been there's been trouble behind the scenes. It's, it's very, very well known. Um so like what have you made of how they how they have finished the season after all that's happened? And um to be honest, Anna, I think I think the players deserve huge credit there. Um it's it has been very difficult for them. There's what is it, fourteen players or something that got out of contract. So that brings its own sort of uncertainty and, and sort of players wondering every day of the week where their next job is and, and stuff like that. So that part of it's difficult and I think uh, what I'm hearing is Filippo's delighted that Dundalk have brought in a sporting director. It helps him, and and I think Jim Magilton's a very very good appointment. Um, I think you'll see more players now committing their futures to the club over the next uh, days, weeks, or whatever. So, um, on the pitch, they've they've definitely they've definitely improved as the seasons wore on, and 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 off the pitch, it looks now that by putting Jim in place that that the future looks a lot more certain than what it did even a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, like, on that improvement, I mean, just even as they are playing, how they've played in the last week or a couple of weeks, and I'm thinking of the Bowes semi-final, I'm not sure if you saw all of these games, but like you know, the Bowes semi-final, and you know, even compared to where they are in August, because it was head-scratching really in August to see Dundalk performing as, as poorly as they were, and I appreciate there was a lot of things going on, you know, Harry Taft's passing, which was very you know, impactful and a lot of people there. But even just the way they were playing at that time, it was it was it was very noticeably below par relative to what they found in recent weeks. I mean what what are you seeing that's that's improved, I guess? Well, 
Um, maybe it coincides. They've, they've changed their system, obviously, and they've gone to a back three, and I think that allows... And, and to be honest, the, the fixture schedule, uh, once the European campaign started, was, was absolutely crazy and, and, and the likes of Michael Duffy was probably getting overused and, and that sort of thing and Michael had a, a small injury uh, where I think it was 12 days out and, and his form literally his form just went completely up a level when he had that small break and then his first game back I think he only trained one or two days before the Bohemians game and, and, and I thought he was brilliant in the game and it was more like him and um, I don't know it's, 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 it's I think the three four three that they're playing at the minute suits a lot of players, um, and it gives Duffy and Michael Inney and that them types of lads more freedom. Uh, and I think winning games just breeds confidence, and and they they got a one or two, and then and, and it just snowballs from that. And yet, JD, at the same time, to be fair, like an hour into the cup final on Sunday, I mean, it, it looked really like this is you know, Shamrock Rovers are going to win the double. They're going to they're going to go an unbeaten season. I mean, to be fair, I mean, they were well on top of the game at that stage. I mean, what's your read? You've been involved in sort of cup finals and, and how these things can swing. Like, what's your read on what, what happened in that game? Because, I mean, anyone from Rovers listening to this, I, I still think in the aftermath, they were almost a bit shell-shocked that they, they'd managed to lose it. Yeah, well, I thought actually, for the first five or ten minutes, I thought Dundalk started really well. But like the European games where they were playing, you know, decent football and, and they, you know, they look good. And then gradually Rovers started to get on top and, you know, but they were on top, really, without hurting them too much, I think. I think they got their goal and they got 1-0 up. And although they were playing nice stuff, they were kind of playing in front of Dundalk a lot. Um, and then, although, to be fair, I, I do think Rovers would be wondering how they ended up 2-1 down. Dundalk, really, when their chances came, they were very, very clinical. Probably the, probably the sign of a good team, really. I thought, I thought it was an excellent cup final myself, Dan, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. the first half. I enjoyed the second half, you know, very much. I thought it was very, very good quality. Yeah, I mean, Dave McMillan's story is incredible, really. Like, I, I don't think he would have an issue if we said it, that when he came back in sort of August, September, maybe he's, he's you, know, you know, quite well, that like, he didn't, he didn't look like his, his old self when he came back. And, and you see what happened to him in Scotland, you're thinking that the classic thing that's said with these guys is, which is maybe, maybe he's finished, you know, and that always, that always lingers in the back of your head. And, and yes... All of a sudden, like he's got a hat trick in a cup final. I mean, it, it does speak to his character to some degree that he was able to sort of turn it on when he did. No, in fairness, like he, he went to he went to St. Johnson and had a few loan spells and, and it didn't work. But um like how many chances were them teams creating? I'm not so sure. Um when when you go to a team in, in the League of Ireland who dominates the ball and and, and all the games maybe bar rovers, um they're going to create a lot more chances. And he's a goal scorer. He sniffs out things and he runs off the back of people and he's got players who create chances for him. So, And, and obviously he came to Dundalk and he was undercooked. He hadn't played and hadn't played that much football uh, before he turned up. So, um, no, And I know the type of character he is as well. He's a phenomenal person and, and, and I'm not surprised. But um, just going back to the cup final, I think if, if you're looking at it sort of between... 20 minutes and, and 70 minutes you're thinking there's only one winner here because um, Rovers were very very dominant um, but it just takes and, and, and we've we've been involved in cup finals with Cork Johnny the Shawnee Maguire goal and, and it's just one moment and it changes the whole face of the game and and, and uh, 
Dundalk grew in momentum. And I think the point Johnny made earlier on where uh, the games, the, the, the intensity of the games that Dundalk have played at in Europe, I think it stood to them in the latter stages of the game and an extra time. And I thought from from that moment on, from around 75 minutes right through to the end, the extra time, I thought Dundalk were the dominant team and it probably goes back to the level of games that they've been playing at. Mm-hmm. This was an interesting one as well, though, wasn't it? Because the, the substitutions and all that, you know, um, I think I, I think Vinnie Perth, who's obviously gone from Dog, I think he deserves credit for Macmillan coming in because Georgie Kelly went and Macmillan came in. And I think a lot of people would have questioned that, including me, who I, I, I expect Georgie Kelly to get more goals than he did at Pats. And as much as Macmillan was kind of bought for Europe um, and he obviously got those couple of penalties and did quite well in Europe, he essentially won the cup for them in many ways. And, and it, it proved a very shrewd signing. But like just looking at the squad depth, did Dundalk showcase a better squad in the way in, in extra time than Rovers did? Because Rovers uh, players who came off the bench and the changes they made just didn't work at all to the same extent. Um, that's a good question. And, and, and I think uh, the introduction of Jordan Flores was huge for me. The game had opened up. Um, his pass for the His pass for the phenomenal. It's absolutely a, class. Yeah, like. yeah brilliant. He, as I said earlier, brilliant footballer. And... and and I think it suited him at that stage to be introduced. And, and I think in them sort of games, maybe that role, he mightn't like me saying this, but maybe that role suits him where it's nip and tuck. And then as the game gets stretched, then you introduce players that can, that can have a big impact in the game. And he, and he, and he, proved, and he showed his quality on the day. But um, And then Daniel Kelly as well, the game opened up and, and he's got the pace and running behind people and stuff like that so I think the dog substitutions on the day as you said were very very good and, and the manager uh, Filippo needs to take huge credit for that as well yeah, yeah I think it's striking as well I mean you know, the dog I mean there is some players who whose future at the club look to be very doubtful in August who played a big part in the running you know you look at Brian <coughs> Gartland Dan Kelly himself Cameron Dunnigan who was who was um, you know face not fitting territory and how they've all managed to actually contribute They've actually managed to make it a squad game. Like they really have. And at times, maybe they've got the balance wrong with the rotation. I think it's fair to say at times they've probably gone a bit too far. But it, it, is, it is quite striking. Like what, what, I don't know. I don't know. I'll try this to JD. I, I like, what have you made of Rover, like Rovers this year, Shamrock Rovers this year, as a, or Shams, to give it the, the proper title for your, uh, your Sligo Parish? Like, does what happened on Sunday diminish their year in any way? Um, you know, does it show they've still got a bit to go to to get to that sort of one of the top sides of recent memory sort of status, which is I'm sure our host thinks they're already there. But um, I would have to view maybe they've got a small bit more to win before they can get to it. And also to just to, to add to that, what happens if Jack Byrne leaves in? Yeah, well, I, for me, it doesn't diminish what they've done this year. Anyway, I, I think their, their improvement over the last three years has been sort of, it's been brilliant to watch just how they've matured as a team and sort of matured into learning the shape that Stephen Bradley wants them to play as well. Um, I think watching the streaming service this year, having it allowed us to watch a lot more games. And one of the games that I watched that really, I don't know, it marked them down as as the, it showed me the maturity that they've developed was when they played Finn Harps away in the league um, just before they played them in the cup game, actually, but they played them away in the league and they made a few changes to the team. and. They were just so professional and dominant in their performance. It was a night where they could easily have gone up there. The league was won at this stage anyway, probably. They could easily have gone up there and just got turned over and, you know, let it happen. But they went up and I think they won 2-0. 
and on the night they were just they were brilliant they were so professional um so i think i think they're probably maybe one or two players short of where Stephen Bradley really really wants them to be but in terms of what they can do in playing against them I mean they're they really are a brilliant side to watch and uh, Jack's obviously a massive part of that Johnny um, I've I've been right behind him when he's whipped one into the top corner in Tala and uh, yeah he's got look he's got it all and it'll be a massive loss if he does go yeah, I I, I know like what's what's he like to play against um, Johnny because I think I think it was it last year I think you might have spoken to us and said, listen, he's up there. I mean, anything you've played against in the league, I mean, it, it does seem quite likely um, that he, he he may leave. Just listen to him the other day, he was making those comments about making the step for yourself and his career, and I'm not closing the door on it, but it does seem quite likely. I mean, you've been involved and you played with some very good players and against, but where does Jack stand in that sort of category? Oh, yeah, look, he's, he's right up there. He's kind of, you know... There are certain players that just have that little bit extra. Um, probably the most recent that I would have played with, say, would have been Shawnee Maguire, where they can just turn a game on its head just in the, in an instant. And uh, Jack has the same thing. It's it's kind of it's, but it's not that they do it every so often. It's that they do it so consistently as well. Like Jack can hurt you from anywhere. I mean, if you ask Gary Buckley, will not like me saying this now, but if you ask him about, he played a pass at Tala um, against Ligo, whatever it was, a month ago. Like that, we, we had a good was, chat about that actually on the pod with Gary afterwards. That pass was a phenomenal team. pass. I mean, that's phenomenal. like you can't, not many people see that, don't they? I mean, the touch from Greenberg as well, that, that quality in, in European combat, I mean, could could beat anyone really, couldn't it? Will you stop? You need to put a leash on you. Uh, I, I, I want to ask Higgs, though. You need, to put, you need to put the Sligo defense into that European game, though. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, Johnny. Just on that pass that Johnny's talking about. Seeing it's one thing, but then executing it's another thing, and he and 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 he done the book like that. That's world class. I don't care that pass itself and isolate. Yeah. It's world class and, and the touch see, nearly as well. And, aye, well that's fair enough. But if he he doesn't have that touch unless the pass is made. But um, but on, on that thing, if you see that pass anywhere in the world. Like if Xavi makes that pass, you're you're raving about it. It's a phenomenal pass. Couldn't be more. But from from your sort of like Irish perspective, does Jack ideally need to move now? From my perspective, he does to move on to next level. He needs to take a punt at this stage. And um, what do you think? Well, you could see in his introduction and in, and in, in the two games where he came on that, that he, he he definitely has the quality. What Jack does is up to Jack. So, mm. um, but in terms of quality, Jack's a phenomenal footballer and and. and and fairnessly, Stephen Bradley, um, when Jack came in, they were they were testing different systems out, and he found he found a system that suits Jack Byrne. Um, and and from the outside looking in, I don't have a clue, but from the outside looking in, it looked to me like he was going right. How can I get the best out of Jack Byrne? Uh. And he flipped it to a back three, and he gave him a freer role, and 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 sort of uh, the box midfielder, whatever way you want to call it, but. He has to take credit there, and, and, and he's got the very best out of him. And uh, Jack has, I, I think, Rovers have been great for Jack, and Jack's been great for Rovers, and, and it's been a good sort of uh, marriage. And, and whatever Jack does now is completely up to himself, but we all know that he's a very, very talented footballer. Look, the thing about it is, I mean, Rovers are still in a very good position if Jack Byrne does leave. I mean, their their business otherwise has been excellent. They've pretty much tied down most of the players you'd want to keep, you know, I think Dylan Watts, a long-term deal. Um, 
you know, did, you know, and we'll see what happens in terms of recruitment if, if Jack Byrne does leave. I mean, Danny Mandry was certainly a name that's, that's, that's going around. There'll be a few others. I mean, like, you know what it takes to sort of um, be involved in those high-stakes European games, Higgs. If you look at Rovers' squad at the moment, what do you think they need to get to that level? Because, like, next year, they're going to be the team in the Champions League. With all due respect to the other teams, they start in the conference, the Europa Conference. It's, you know, you have to just win through a load of rounds. It's, it's all about that Champions route, really, to, to, to make that progress in Europe. It's no coincidence that there are three teams who've, who've got into group stages all started in the Champions League. So, like, you look at that Rovers squad, like, where, what, what's your assessment of it and, and what do they need, if anything, to sort of to, to, to lift them? To be honest, I don't think uh, they need too much. I think you can see year on year they're growing as a team and they'll, they'll all have benefited from this year's experience. Um, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a different type of midfielder. Um, someone like they're all brilliant in terms of uh, linking the play and getting on the ball and playing between lanes, but um, maybe Dylan Watts is, is the one that, that can run beyond, like, uh, I don't know, what, what Richie Toyle done for them dog for years in terms of running past the centre-forward. I don't know if they have that type of player um, as much, but I personally don't think that they need, they need an awful lot. And if Jack goes, who replaces him, that's, that's crucial. Um, but another player who completely goes under the radar for me in the Rovers team is Joey O'Brien. I think what he brings to that, what he brings to that dressing room. And Johnny, I watched that game, the Finn Harps game that you were talking about. I thought he drove, I, I felt that he drove the, the team on that night. And you can see by his body language, someone... He scored as well, he's he? Someone that has played in the Premier League uh, at an extremely high level. They go up to Finn Park in, 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 in tough conditions and, and lead by example. He, I don't know the lad. I've never, ever spoke to him. But I think he, he looks to me like a tremendous character and, and someone who has been very, very important for that Rovers dressing room. I think, to be fair, it's, it's something that got lost a bit in the analysis of the cup final. I think Joey O'Brien got off at half time. Um, what was big for, for, for Rovers in the contact. I know they had Lee Grace to come on but they had a sort of a certain balance there and they had to they had to sort of reshuffle it a small bit and they actually, they just found it a bit harder afterwards. And he, the one thing you've noticed, we've been able to notice from the closed doors games and hopefully we have crowds back where you can hear a lot more, you can hear a lot more of the shouts and the organisation and so on. And Joey O'Brien is the, the loudest voice in that, in that Rovers team. And I think yeah. when you take him out of a game like that, it's a big one, Johnny, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's it. Like, uh, you're right, Dan, where you can hear people. Like, the game we played up in Tala in the, in the semi-final, um, when the game started going against him, he is the one you can hear dragging them out of it. And Rory's dead, right? Like, that game up in Valley Buffet, he was, like, he was incredible. You know, for someone to go from playing week in, week out in the Premiership to be, like, really scrapping in Finn Park and dragging boys out of it, you know, it was, it was great to see. Just to, if I could, sorry, if I just get Higgs in again on, on just on, on the Dundalk thing as well. If do you see many players kind of being their 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 opinion maybe being swayed on what's happened over the last few weeks, Higgs, in terms of next season? And um, a stat that I found completely mad was that the, their goal record in the league this season is one point three nine goals per game, and in the Europa League group stages it's one point three three, which is only a very small difference. It's kind of mad how many goals they've scored in Europe. But all these players out of contract, what are they going to do? 
think again, going back to the appointment of Jim Magilton, I think that the players will look at that. I have I genuinely haven't spoken to any of them, mm. but the players might look at that and say, right, we've made an appointment in the right place. We look like we're going to be a more solid, solid club. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if 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 ninety percent of them now commit their futures to the club, and. I think, as someone alluded to earlier, that I think it'll make for a very, very interesting season next year. That's what I was going to say. What happens next year? I mean, for what it's worth, we are speaking on Friday morning. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm not sure if Anthony's expected to be announced in the next couple of days, but certainly the chats are. Um, there seems to be more confidence that the likes of Mickey Duffy might stay, that Cameron Dummigan, um, you know, Dan Kelly, Sean Hoare has been mentioned. Um, it's 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 funny, and like, I think that the season has been draining for for some people, and I think a couple might step away. Um, but maybe as 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 Rory said, like maybe not as many as as people would have thought two weeks ago, or certainly two months ago, where I think even some of the lads under contract, to be fair, they probably would have uh, paid it to be taken out of the club at that stage. I think the the morale was was that low. And and the one thing I would say is that there's a lot of optimism around Jim Magilton's appointment. But I still get a very strong vibe off people at the club um, that uh, that has to be the catalyst for the chairman to have less of a say. Because if the chairman continues to have a say, uh, they don't have a chance. So that's you, that's the problem. Yeah. Just on that, Dan, I think uh, winning the cup final would have been massive in terms of trying to keep players. Because if you finish the season on a high, so much easier to commit your future to the club where if you lose that cup final, then players are thinking, oh, maybe it's Rovers' time and, and we have to go and move elsewhere for a different challenge. But I think that result alone will have uh, definitely had, had an impact on, on, on players' thoughts. I think yeah. as well with, with Giovanni, Dan, and, and to the rest of you, the fact that he's used so many players, like as a squad player, you're thinking, I wouldn't actually mind being there next season because he does give lads a chance. He gave so many players a chance and lads came off the bench and had a massive role because we had Rennie on and he essentially said that Dundalk had too many players and that was probably an issue. But I, would that be a factor, JD, in that like you can, if you, if you are a squad player, you're more than a squad player because he basically has just used his bench a lot. Yeah, well, I think what will be very interesting, actually, at Dundalk is whether, whether when the new manager came in, did he think that the 3-4-3 fitted the players that he had? Or is that his preferred formation? So, like, in terms of the players that he brings in or the players that he keeps, does he bring in players that are specifically going to play that formation and suit that formation? Or is he actually going to revert to another formation that he mm. prefers? I think that'll be very interesting in the off-season just to see, to see what they do in terms of players brought in and who they keep. I mean, just so we so we look to twenty twenty one generally, lads. I mean, this is sort of a half season review, and it's natural to look ahead. I mean, my opinion is still that the continuity that Rovers will have that they're still going to be very hard to stop next year. But maybe uh, I think the Dock are the only team who can realistically challenge them. Or, or am I wrong? I mean, I don't know. Like Higgs, Bowes, your old mate Stevie O'Donnell, the Pats, can they make the jump next year to? really challenge or is it is it a big ask within let's be honest budgets talk to some degree when it comes to this type of thing yeah I think it is a big ask um, I think Rovers have set the standard this year um, I think Dundalk finished the season very very strongly so for me it's going to be between them two next year but what I would say is that uh the job that, that, that Keith Long has done at Bohemians has, has been tremendous and, and the recruitment there in particular has been has been impressive. 
Um, and then on Pats, I think if you look at Pats against, for example, Shamrock Rovers and Tala recently, they set a standard for me that night that, that that's what the players are capable of. I thought they were very, very good. But I didn't score. They, yeah, uh, but that's we'll move on to that. But what I'm saying is the setup of the team, the energy, they pressed extremely high. They were brave, aggressive. And I think that's that's the standard of the set. So they they have to use that as a reference now going forward. And and, and I think Stevie's recruitment now in the off season. Where does he get be, a striker? Uh, ah, Stevie. Um, mm. But I think I think his recruitment now is, is is going to be very very important, and um, I think Stevie will benefit himself from the year that he's had, and 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 knowing that the the person he is, and and the drive that he has, and and the knowledge that he has of the game, that the pads will improve next year. I'm not saying they can challenge the top two, but I think they'll they'll get closer, is what I would say, if if they bring in the players that he wants. I mean, it's, it's certainly no surprise that a lot of Dundalk players, I think, are tempted to get the chance to go and work with Stevie. It says a lot about how he's regarded. Obviously, the problem they might just have is that still, this is why players are, are hedging. I mean, budget-wise and so on, like Dundalk are still in a much better position than a club that hasn't qualified for Europe. And that's the problem maybe for Pats to some degree. But one club that has qualified for Europe is Sligo Rovers, though. Um, JD, I mean, you know, you've been there throughout the season. Um it's sort of, I don't know, it must have been a great sort of buzz around the end of the year, considering during the, the lockdown, I mean, it was a, you know, let's, let's shake the bucket here and, and try and keep the club up. And, shake and the bucket, bring it up and Dundalk stalwarts for Jamie. But now, but, you know, but, but, but they've ended up in Europe and, and, and now all of a sudden making some sort of, you know, Romeo Parks is coming back and, and making, you know, Robbie McCourt, uh, they've kept the breeze, which I think is huge. And all of a sudden, like making some, eye-catching uh, signings. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, through, that, through that first lockdown, obviously, the, you're looking at the table and it's not changing. And um, It had been a very tough start for us, but, you know, what a turnaround in the season. The boys were, the boys were absolutely fantastic. They, de- they deserved it, to be honest with you, Dan. They were brilliant. The amount of work the lads put in, staff included. And, uh, you know, it was a huge, a huge achievement for the club, a massive step to, to get into Europe. And definitely, I think it's it's been they've gone about their business very very well behind the scenes in terms of signing players like Romeo coming back is a big one. Um, I've never seen anyone as quick in my life. He is he's a scary scary man to play against, and um, I still don't think like I know you mentioned him there, Ryan DeVries. I don't think you've seen the best of Ryan DeVries yet. I mean that man in training, he has tortured some good players. So it'll be, you know, it'll be very, very interesting if those two as a partnership, for example, could click and you add a couple more to that. Sligo could certainly kick on very much next year. I think yeah. Sligo, I think Sligo, I agree. I think Sligo's recruitment over the, since Liam took charge has been, has been very, very good. And, and as you said, Johnny, what was it, five defeats in a row? Am I right in saying that? Or four? Oh, yeah. The very, very yeah, no, five in a row to start, yeah. Uh, so um, the recover from that show, shows great character. They're from a group of players. I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but uh, or been in there, so I don't, I don't really know. But it, it showed great character from the outside looking in. Anyway, Stephen Bradley actually made the point. Yeah. That, I mean, it's the sort of the modern phrase, but he reckoned that you know Sligo are the best team in transition in the league. You know, just in terms of how quickly you can break. And I mean, bringing Romeo back, um, like there's, there's definitely you want the team to have an identity. Like that's the thing. Sometimes you see teams recruiting and they're just recruiting and they're sort of sort of taken 
you're taking stuff from anywhere just to fill a squad. But there does seem to be, JD, like a plan behind the recruitment. It's, of course, you want a good player if he becomes available, but he actually is also suited to the way you play as well, Parks. Like, that's that's a big thing. I mean, he's he, 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 it's, a simple, it's a simple sort of decision about how you accommodate him. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and no, Rory's right. The recruitment has been very, very good. Um, you know, from the start, and Liam seems to Liam seems to find players in in all sorts of random places, but they fit okay. and they do well for the club. And um, I th- I think the game that Stephen Bradley was referring to was actually the league game in Tala, where where we lost four nil. But there were moments in the first, I'd say, especially in the first half an hour of that game, where yeah. we really, really opened up Shamrock Rovers, and probably were only a pass or two away from creating very good chances against them. And so, you know, the new boys coming in will undoubtedly add to the team. And I I. Listen, no one will look forward to playing Sligo next year, that's for sure. As much as, uh, hey, sorry, hey, as, as much as before you go, as much as um, Cork have gotten relegated as well in Shells, like I think Drawd have signed very well and I think Harps have definitely improved. So all in all, I think it's going to be a very competitive league next season. Uh, I'll put that to you, Higgs. Yeah, and just, just on that, like... And Derry Oli, as well, obviously. Yeah, Ollie Horgan and, 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 and uh, Paul Higgerty deserve huge credit. Um, if you're looking at you're talking about budgets earlier, like what they have done for me, and and, and it's not, I'm not surprised to be honest because I know the amount of work that them boys put in. Um, Johnny will vouch for that. I'm sure, I'm sure he's heard up and done a goal what it's like. But um, they they sort of put together the squad of players that they did and, and they achieved. For me, if Stephen Bradley's manager of the year, then Ollie comes a, a close second for me and. Uh, and the run they put together towards the end of the season didn't surprise me. Two defeats um, in the last half of the season in nine uh, games and one away on goals. Brilliant. Yeah. And it shows it shows and and the spirit that they create among their players is fantastic. And you can see that. Um and very, very, very and I don't think this has been discussed enough. Extremely unlucky to go out of the cup. Um <laughs> I think they were very hard done by. Uh but that's for another day. But I think the job that they've done there is tremendous. Um and just on Derry, I'm going completely off subject here, but uh, it's been a very, very sad week for the club. Two massive supporters um, have have passed away in the last week, and and I mean two huge supporters, uh, Hugh McMonagall and Hugh Kern, and I just want to pass on my condolences to the families of both. Um, extremely sad, and every time you go to the Brandywell, they're, they're, they're huge characters around the place, so that'll be a big loss for the club, but listen, I think it's been a a difficult season for, for a lot of clubs and, and, and it's been difficult for Derry. Um but if you rewind twelve months, uh they had a good season. So it's just it's just been a difficult year and, and hopefully that they can learn from mistakes maybe that's been made this year and kick on next year. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a, and it's a very good point about the you know, you mentioned the, the supporters who passed away and it's even thought I had just leaving the ground last night. I mean, like football without fans, it is it is really not good. Like it's 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 a really diminished experience and even the stuff in the last week, you know, the Flores goal or the cup final, you imagine what it would have been like, have been like with spectators, but it does almost feel this year as well. There's been so many, you know, really big supporters of the league that have passed away and, I mean, it's not to be too sort of morbid about it, but when we do get fans back, I mean, there's going to be a lot of big characters missing from around clubs and it's just been a really, really, really hard year for a lot of people um, and and that's, Emphasize, and I sort of seem to limit to just move on to something else off the back of it. But you know, the deepest sympathies, as you mentioned, to the families of the, the two Hughes. 
Um, I mean, Higgs, like you're you're now obviously in your, your capacity as a member of the Irish staff. So, you know, for the first time in your life, you would have been watching the the World Cup draw uh, on Monday with a stake in the game. You know, probably trying to figure out what countries you might be visiting the next year or what you know. I I don't know. Like you you're going to have to do a lot of sort of a research of Azerbaijan or whatever. I mean. Johnny Ward and myself can tell you a few places to play pool over there and get eight points. But um, in, terms of, uh, in, terms, in terms of in terms of football, it's such a different story. But your, your assessments of the the World Cup draw? Um, I think the general consensus is around that it's that it's a good draw. But uh, like obviously Portugal speaks for themselves. But then you like the Serbia are a very very good team. Um, I don't think they should be underestimated by. I think it's easy to, to throw away comments and say it's a great draw and this and that, and we should we should finish second in the group. That's 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 what I'm hearing. But we have to be very very careful. Um, they have some incredibly talented players, and just Mitrovic, for example, who divides opinion. I think it's fair to say he divides opinion across across football. But what he's done for Serbia and in, in international football is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think he got 10 goals in the last campaign or something ridiculous like that. So he comes alive when he puts on the Serbia jersey. And Tadic, who was uh, a huge part of their... Or Ajax, when Ajax got to the semi-final and a kick of the ball knocked him out against Tottenham. Um, I think he was a very prominent player in that team. So they have huge quality. Uh, huge quality. And then you can't take the likes of uh, Luxembourg and Azerbaijan for granted either because Luxembourg have drastically improved over a period of time now. So um, as much as the, the draw probably could have been worse, I don't think we need, we should get carried away and, and think that uh, we'll, we'll definitely finish whatever. So um, we just need to be, we just need to be careful and, and, and take every game in isolation and, and prepare accordingly. But um it's something they really, really look forward to and, and, and get our teeth into and, and uh, I suppose get stuck in over the coming months and, 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 and hopefully uh, begin an exciting chapter. Yeah, you've, you've, it's, you've, you've been very busy as well. What does it entail for you now over the next few months? Just going to games, Johnny. Getting on, mm-hmm. I'm in England um, every weekend, most midweeks uh, for maybe 48 hours as well. So I'm just going to games and, and, and reporting back and in touch with the staff regularly and uh no it's busy and it's it's a brilliant experience and something that I'm really enjoying. And there is yeah. like there's a large pool of players as well that could feasibly say, well I have a shot of being at least in the in the squad and a lot a lot more obviously I could be in the team. So like it's it must be fairly intriguing week to week. Ah, it's great and and I think watching games on Y Scout or Instat is great. It's a brilliant platform but there's nothing like being on the ground and, and watching people at close quarters and uh, I think you can get a far better gauge of where they are um, be, being being at the ground and and, mm. and so on but no listen I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it it's a it's a brilliant group of people to be involved with and, and uh, hopefully um, we can we can put in a really good performance in the upcoming campaign. Higgs, thanks a million for coming in. I know you're you're flat out today with other stuff and uh, best of luck in 2021 with the Ireland team. We'll all be rooting for the squad. Yeah, thanks, lads. Best of luck, great. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. JD, what have you made of it? Um, 
I think as ludicrous as it is to, to suggest that Shamrock Rovers could have competed in the group stages that the Dock were in, it's absolutely bonkers to think Ireland got one goal in eight games under Stephen Kenny. So objectively looking at it, obviously, you, you would say they haven't scored enough, but I think circumstances really contrived against them, Johnny, you know, in terms of injuries, COVID, um, different things like that. And I think Rory made a very good point in terms of the camps that they have had now with Stephen Kenny, the players will the players will be well aware of what he expects from them now and they will have they will have learned. Um and I think that'll be a big positive going into next year. There have certainly been green shoots um in terms of the way that we've tried to play and and you know the sort of the, the style of football that he's tried to implement. So to be honest with you, I'm I'm looking forward to next year. Um I think it sounded like Rory really is too and you know he doesn't expect it to be too long before we get those wins and goals on the board. It's kind of like what Dan said as well. Like I, I just get the feeling if we start well in Serbia, like uh, start well as we started well in a lot of games actually under Kenny, but score. And if we're one nil up after twenty minutes, our tails are up, and you know we could have a very exciting campaign. Whereas if we lose in Serbia, uh, start well but go a goal down and end up losing one nil or something, like that game really does look like it's so big. It, it look, it could be, but. Um... I, I think I think it'll be it'll be exciting more than anything else for the lads. I think Stephen will be really looking forward to getting the boys back in again. And you know, if we can have a squad with a clean bill of health, there's an awful lot of talent and quality there. And you know, when you have when you have that much talent and quality, I think the goals are you know it's almost bound to come. So uh, no, I, I, I me personally anyway, I'd be positive on next year. We have, we have a couple of questions here. Um, we want Jack Arthur. Can you ask Johnny how he feels about the greatest team in League of Ireland history? Conceding four to little old Dundalk. Johnny I Ward never said they were the greatest team in League of Ireland history. And um, yeah, as I said, I predicted the draw on the cup final. So that wasn't surprising. You predicted the draw? Yeah. Didn't finish it? Didn't? I mean, yeah. It's not... a draw in 90 minutes, Dan. You know from your. I, I know that. But like as a tipster, did you not go out there and actually predict he'd win the, win the cup? Uh, I I thought Sean Groves were the most likely winners. I know you did as well. I so did I, to be fair. No, no, listen, it's great. No, nah, but the game, the game though, like Rovers were by far the better team for 60 or 70 minutes, but they didn't win the game. And I think Dundalk probably did benefit from the fact that they'd had games going into it. And they showed their character. Like, they ultimately did show a lot of character. I think it made it interesting for next season because Rovers were so far ahead of them in the league. You want a title race next season. And now I think it looks very likely we will have a title race because we didn't have one this season. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think I think maybe matters from America would like to take that still. Um, <laughs> J- Julian Canny, uh, uh, well known to uh, to both of you guys. Does Johnny Dunleavy think anyone will be able to compete with Galway United in Division One next season, <laughs> given their signings and the move to full time training? I think Shelburne will have a word about that. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised one of us hasn't been signed by Shells since the end of the season. But uh, what do you think, JD? Yeah, Shells have done some serious business. Um... As as far as I can see, you know, a lot of a lot of signings, a lot of a lot of money being ploughed into them for next year. I think Galway have Galway have recruited well too, and John coming in, you know, their upturn and form definitely coincided with him coming in, and you know, if they can carry that on into next season with the with the full time football, um, with the new lads that have come in, it, it should be it promises to be sort of a very competitive first division anyway, and um. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. This one for you, JD. What, what have you made of Cork City and what's happened? Um, I, I know James Clancy was on to me as a regular listener as well, just kind of wondering what's going on with, you know, behind the scenes next season. I'm not, I'm not expecting you to know that, but it's been a really strange kind of couple of years for your old club. Yeah, obviously, look, I'm not privy to anything going on behind the scenes at all, but um, 
I think there's probably still a degree of uncertainty down there, even as regards next year, um, you know, from the takeover mm. and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's been, look, it's, it's hard, I suppose, to see a, a club like that fall from grace as, you know, as quickly as they have. It's, uh, it's, it's, n- it's not nice to see. And um, look, a club the size of Cork City with the fan base that they have and the people down there, you know, we, I can only hope that they, you know, everything gets resolved quickly and they can really get back on the up again because Cork City have to be in the Premier Division and competing for trophies, as I say, they're, you know, that's the, that's the club that they are and that's what they have to be aiming for. So um, hopefully next year will be a good year for them. It's, it's interesting as well, just with the view to next year, like draw the sign in Dinny Corcoran. I, I, I got a strange kick out of that because I'm just like, I, I can see Dinny scoring a nice few important goals next season, possibly off the bench because of his, like one of the best finishers in the league without a doubt. And I think Drogheda have signed Markey as well. They've signed well. And uh, I know you're a fan of Tim Clancy as well and what he's done there. Ah, yeah, Tim's a gent. I think one of the last times I was on the podcast, actually he was on with me. And uh, mm. yeah, it's a remarkable job he's done there really. And Denny, Denny and Dara Markey, like it's not to be underestimated how big a signings they are. And, and Tim would Absolutely. obviously have had to convince them to come in. You know, he would have, he would have had to sit down with the lads. And, and clearly, they were impressed by whatever plans he has. Um, mm. So it'll just be interesting to see how they get on next year with the with the squad that they had last year. Didn't get to see much of them really in the first division. So I, I can't comment too much on what they had, but definitely their recruiting has been very good. Just one other question I have. Sorry, Dan. One other question I have for you, and I think you're well placed on this, considering your your background in the game all those years ago when you went over to England, you went over to Wolves. There is this Brexit kind of white, you know, the elephant in the room or whatever you want to call it in terms of young players going over and potentially are not going over anymore until they're 18 because of Brexit and so forth. You've also been involved in kind of coaching at Sligo and that. Um, How are we placed in this country to, I don't know, fill the void, if for want of a better word, or how are we faced, how are we set up to um, produce proper academies in this country? Because you look at Sligo, and say Sligo and Galway United competing for sort of players in that region, and you, you have a good idea of where it's going, but are we, we're probably miles away, are we? Well, look, there are terrific young players in the League of Ireland. Like that, that under-19 team, and let's say we had some towards the end of the year, some of the under-17s coming through in Sligo, you know, there's an there are huge amounts of quality coming through, and this I is actually, just a Sligo now. Even this is just a Sligo I'm talking about. Now, overall, I think this is a bit of a watershed moment, really, for for everyone. And I think structurally, we really have to get our house in order. So, if we really want to develop players here, and if we have to develop players at home, we need to start developing the links, and we need to start develop. So, what I'm saying is. If you have a young player now and you want to bring him into an academy, we have to develop links with schools so that the young lad can get a... Let's say we had a lad from Mayo coming in. He has to have somewhere that he can go to school in Sligo, train with Sligo Rovers. We have to develop ways that they can be accommodated in Sligo, whether that's digs or whether that's... I don't know how it's going to work. But we really, really have to start thinking about thinking deeply about the structures that need to be put in place in order for us to, to develop players at home rather than having them go to England. And we can use England as a... We can use the academies in England as a sort of a template, if you like. Like, we, we, you know, I've been there. I've seen what they do in terms of educating players, in terms of players living in digs. We might not be able to get to that level straight away, but certainly we have to begin to put the structures in place that players feel that they can stay at home, whether that's going to school and then going to college, developing at their club, getting into a first team, and then moving across to England. But, you know, it really, like, it has to start now, and this should really give us the kick to, to make that happen. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Jack Byrne, speaking from Dubai, as you do the other day, after he won the, the, the PFI award, the PFI Ireland award, 
Um, and he was asked about it. And actually, because it's sort of very, like, you know, uh, there's obviously a sort of perception of Jack. He likes a sort of a bit of a joke and whatever. And he, he doesn't take life too seriously sometimes. But I think like, he probably gave one of the best answers I've heard in it, really. Just explaining that this Brexit change, that it, in the short term, it possibly will be damaging for our top tier players, like for the real, you know, the the, the, the Quibian Kellehers or the whoever it might be, you know, the, the Aaron Connolly, Troy Parrott, the, the very best of their generation. That they, they won't have the same structures and coaching at home that they will get in, in some of those top UK academies at 16 to 18. Now, I still think the best players will go, they'll find a way. Um, and whether that's going to Germany or, or you know, entire families moved over in, in questionable ways. But it, then he also pointed out, and this is the thing, he said, and, that, and that's, it's not great for those, but it, the real issue with, with England, and you'll notice, JD, it's the people who go over on these sort of, they're not really going over on a professional contract as such. They're going on that contract that just, it's the 16 to 18 contract, really, that at times they're sort of, it does feel like some lads are filling up numbers rather than necessarily, or you know, clubs are taking a punt on them. It's, it's one thing like Gavin Bazuna going over on whatever three, four, five year deal, or you know, certain ones are getting like really long term contracts. But you know, the lads who are out of contract at eighteen, no education, they're the ones that we need to be keeping here, even if it's possible that the next Kevin Zeffi or you know, the, you know, the Kevin Zeffi or whoever it might be will still go somewhere. Um, but it's, it's those second-tier lads are the ones, isn't it, really, J.D.? It's the ones who are, you've probably encountered them that were sort of filling up numbers a small bit. Yeah, that's it. Like, the, the YTS system over there, it's, you know, you're, you're on a certain amount of money only for the two years. And I think if, if a club is really serious about bringing you over to England, or generally speaking, when I was going anyway, they would offer you your youth, your youth contract, but you would have a professional contract to follow that yeah. sort of guaranteed, basically. So you, really and truly, you know where you stand with the club even before you go, probably in the sense of how much they really want you. Um, yeah, it's tough. If a lad's only gone over on a, on a YTS contract, I would certainly advise him to stay home. Um, as much and all as it's hard to turn down going to England, but if, if, you know, I really do think that long term, if a lad can stay here and he can get 50 or 100 first team games under his belt, you know, it makes you just so much more attractive to a team in England. First of all, you've played men's football. You've learned what, it's, what it takes to be in a team where, you know, points are actually so meaningful. They mean jobs, they mean money. And um, that, like, that's massive. When a team in England is going to take a punt on you, then you really, they have to pay money for you. And if they have to pay money for you, they really want you, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, it's been good to have you on. It's, it's um, I suppose, you know, your, your Christmas plans, probably Kempton, Leopardstown. You know, this, this, this is the Chepstow. Down Royal. Dan Royal, Limerick. Like that. We have the Cheltenham December meeting today, Dan. We have, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. Captain Guinness coming out for his beginner's chase. It's all happening, Dan. It's all uh, happening. Listen, listen he, he might have lost by the time this show has gone out. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll see what happens. He's a bit of a headstrong character, like a couple of, uh, couple of people on this. Like, like, like one of these presenters. But anyway, yeah, look, yeah, no, it's yeah, been great yeah. to see you, lads. Very good to be back on. Thanks yeah, a million, JD. And um, just uh, before we finish up the show, here is a selection of some of our regular guests giving their thoughts on the league. Conan Byrne, Paul Curry, Mark Rossiter, and finally, the inimitable Shane Sobel. Happy Christmas, lads. Um, and well done on another fabulous campaign for, for yourselves on League of Ireland Weekly. It's been a great listen as I've been travelling up and down the M1 to, to training. Um, 
it's been a wonderful season, I have to say, for us to to be able to get through it has been extraordinary. And I think the players deserve an enormous amount of credit to be um to be able to fulfil all the games. Um and the clubs themselves, the FAI, I think I think they all deserve um a huge kudos um for that. Um we've seen some terrific goals, terrific saves, terrific games. Um Dundalk getting to the Europa League group stages, Shamrock Rovers in their invin- invincible season. Sligo Rovers going from looking like relegation candidates to European um, European spot. Bohemians again running, doing so, so well, coming in second place on the budget that they have and bringing in fantastic young players as well. Um, it really has been a great season consider, uh, considering how, um, how, impactful it is, how impactful it has been. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been great. 2021 is something that we... That that we're all looking forward to, um, I am I certainly am anyway. Um, I would love to see the Watch League of Ireland streaming service continue for the twenty twenty one season. I think it's been a breath of fresh air, and being able to catch all the games, and for even the players and the clubs being able to catch other games and and not having to rely on a, a small highlights package, I think has been um, has been brilliant. So uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, lads. Hopefully you'll be back for another season as well. And um, look forward to seeing you over the Christmas period. How are you, lads? Uh, 2020, wow, what a strange one. I guess my highlight was the Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers game out in Tala early on in the season. I was lucky enough to be there. I was behind Jordan Forrest's goal as it went in. But it wasn't, it wasn't just his goal. I, I just thought the, the stadium that night, the pitch, the standard of play the pieces of individual brilliance, both Flores's goal and also Jack Byrne's goal. And I remember Huben's finish, I think it was that night. And it gave an insight potentially what the league could be like if we we're able to get more teams to that level and, and get facilities to that standard. And it was just a, a really good night to be a League of Ireland fan. My expectations for 2021 are my hopes. My hopes are really that we can raise the standard of play. For me, there was too many clubs that were way off the mark um, with their performances this year. I think to the likes of, you know, Pats didn't produce like I thought they would. Derry didn't produce like I thought they would. Waterford were kind of hemming and hawing. And you could probably say similarly with Dundalk, who we would expect so much more on a domestic and or I guess from a, a league point of view just to have a, a more element of consistency to their play. So I would just like to see that Shamrock Rovers and Talk are pushed a little more and that squad strengthened in the right areas and we're able to progress the players that are already in the league and also maybe bring some fresh faces in. So let's see what 2021 brings. Um, highlight for me, look at apart from taking Shamrock Rovers' success aside, um, highlight for me is, is Dundalk's comeback literally from... I suppose being in in a chaotic period for them, um, you know, this this particular season has been difficult for them. For them to come back, win the cup final, qualify for Europe, I think uh, is an amazing achievement uh, for the club, and the players. I think have to take huge credit for that. Um, coming back the way that they did, I think it's um, it's a, a a bit of a success story within their chaotic period chaotic part of the season for them when the last eight years they've been 
you know, next to untouchable really. Um they they've you know, they've done really well to come back from that. But also I think uh Ollie Horgan with Finn Harps staying up has been uh huge for them. I don't know how the chap has any hair left, to be honest. But uh no, I think I think the Dundalk thing for me is probably the the, the highlight of the season f- for me personally anyways, yeah. I thought it was magic by them. Highlights of this year were getting the league back up and running um, after the lockdown. I know we all, we all needed it. Um, also seeing Bowes play in Europe and equip themselves so well um, was a massive highlight for me and um, lots for, for Bohemians to improve on next year in Europe in particular. Um, expectations for next season. Um, Bowes getting to a cup final would be nice um, and the league getting a bit more support from our our association across all fronts would be nice to see um, a bit more emphasis put on the, the marketing side of it and you know investment which which may be difficult at this time but um, and also Johnny getting a few predictions right for a change on what Subs was saying there Dan it was uh, something I was tweeting last night more sober than seven days previously just the like the, a lot of exposure for the League of Ireland um, this season obviously it's kind of you know been a strange year with no crowds and all that but what Jordan Flores has done um, 18 goals I think by League of Ireland teams in Europe this season um, you know the, you had a, the, the the viral nature of, of some of the goals notably Flores is at a packed tala um, and it you know, there's talk maybe that, I don't know, Bank of Ireland might end up being the new sponsor just because the fact that obviously the FEI is beholden to Bank of Ireland. But like we should be looking for a title sponsor that can bring the league forward and kind of invest properly in it because um, I think there is a product there that actually has a lot of potential. But I don't know, where, where, where do you think we're at? Yeah, well, this is the problem. Like, I mean, we, we reach every end of season and it's, it's nice. Like we haven't really touched on this yet. You know, we've had football to talk about and, uh, you know, a Europa League game and the Europa League campaign, a, a great, you know, very, very good cup final, sort of a um, very entertaining cup final, I think. And and that's brilliant. And that's all the good. And we can talk about Jack Byrne and we can talk about McElhenney and we can talk about, I mean, there's a couple of people we haven't mentioned. I know we had the PFA show last time. Danny Grant won the Young Player Award. He Mark did. Doyle, Mark Doyle won the First Division Award. So we had, um, we had some sort of future winners on board and uh, you know you talk about sort of Tim Clancy's draw and a lot of great stuff but a lot of bad stuff as well as you mentioned there is no title sponsor we still don't know where we are media rights wise um, you know you have a situation where where Waterford um, you know took an appeal uh, appeals uh, issues around eligibility of Shane McElhenney for the last game the Finn Harps ended up having to pay a five figure legal sum to protect their position after being named in a case. You see, you have a situation there where, where, where clubs are effectively taking actions that are, you know, hitting the pocket of other clubs that can ill afford it. And meanwhile, you have Sam Bone talking publicly about Waterford players being in the dark on, on certain things. So like, we don't help ourselves sometimes as a league. And a lot of that sort of erodes the good stuff. Um, and, and like we, we talk about Brexit and the opportunity it presents, but yet we all know deep down that we're not really ready to capitalise on that because of all of the factors. We, we've, we've gone to the well so many times in terms of financial support that inevitably, um, you, know, we, you know, football is going to need government help. Uh, and it's one thing talking about government help to do academies and all that, that's needed. But in the short term, we just need government help to get through 2021. Like we, we, we still don't, we, we, we have a rough idea when the season is coming back and there's a plan, but we still don't know what the situation is going to be around attendances. Um, mm. And that impacts plans and budgets and 
the sponsorship situation does and, and everything. So, so there's kind of talk do, potentially of like um, a league a league cup being run off early. The league to, cup runs off to start the season, yeah, and and, and that 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 listen that sounds kind of be group stages potentially. Just well, so it, yeah, and the logic behind that the logic behind that is that. The, you know, you won't be able to organise friendlies in the way that you normally would mm. because of uh, COVID. Like you might, you know, you might play teams. Quite common, obviously, you'll see play teams from the north or whatever, and probably harder to do that. Um, but whatever happens with the public health situation in twenty twenty one, like it's actually not that far until pre season now, because uh, it's, it's great we've been talking about Dundalk and, and Rovers and all, but obviously a lot of clubs the season finished in, um, well, Premier Division. Um, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, but the first division clubs obviously longer, longer than that. So, like, it's 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 actually not that far away, which is maybe good from our perspective. We don't have that long to wait, mm. but certainly it means the preseason is going to be complicated. But as I say, like, there's you know, there's a process to sort out who's in the first division, and um, which needs to be resolved. We have a uh, Treaty United from Limerick. We have the old Limerick FC. We have a uh, Shamrock Rovers B trying to get in, yet it appears like there's a draft participation agreement which doesn't allow for B teams, but that's a potential flashpoint. Now, that draft hasn't been signed into practice. It could be changed, but that has the potential to be bruising. We also have, we should mention, Irish CFC um, or Dublin County FC, as they're now known, um, who have an active social media presence. They have a new website, which does appear to be a mirror image of a Ukrainian website, but it had a bit of a... Um, discussions this week with people who seem to be quite sympathetic towards the project who who say that this is going to be something good, something good for the Dublin County region. So we have to see uh, if that proves to be the case, or is it a case that Irish CFC are just empty vessels? That is what we have to figure oh, out. I see what you, you did know, there. That should be their nickname. Like if yeah. they want to really adapt to the league, it should be it should be the empty vessels. That should be their the club nickname, you know. Um, not making the most noise, although a couple of people are making a lot of noise. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to uh, deal with the, the intricacies of the licensing process. And if that involved putting up, um, you know, a, a sort of a website with a Ukrainian uh, a website copy, well, so be it. I mean, listen, the league as it is, is uh, in no position probably to turn people away. Um, but I suppose our scepticism comes from the experience of trying to plant a new club in the Dublin before, but we have to give everyone uh, the benefit of the doubt. So we'll see. But the point is that like there's a lot to trash out in a very short space of time. I mean, like Christmas is on everyone's minds at the moment, uh, and you know because it's, it's so close. And like once Christmas, the festive period is out of the way. We're meant to be in pre-season, and we still don't know what clubs are are supposed to competing in the league. But I still think there's some suggestions that Cavendish are still sore and, and, and fighting away over the, how the first division was resolved. So again, like, you know, our infighting doesn't help us in the off-season. Um, it happens for good reasons because clubs will feel they have valid claims over this or that um, and, and how the league is governed and managed could certainly be better. But, you know, we're, we're always constantly striving for unity. So, so let's hope that we find it, you know? Let's hope we... We we, uh, we we all find sort of a contentment in our lives in the next couple of weeks, you know. And uh, 2021 is a is a better year for for everyone in terms of uh, uh, you know the, the 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 footballing climate because like we still should be grateful that we had football 
in the end of 2020. Yeah, I think, as, I, no, but as you, as you were saying, though, on the, like, and, and, and you made the point in the tweet, like, Grant, we were kind of privileged as journalists to be able to go, but honestly, as a fan, you would almost certainly get fairly bored of this quite quickly, or at least it's just, it's not, it, like, I, I didn't go to the cup final, it didn't bother me at all to watch it on TV. It just got to that level where it's just, it, it, it just, it's, it's like if, if, if James Connolly said Ireland without the Irish means nothing to me, like football without fans is something like that. And I, that's one thing I think next season, because there will be crowds back. I'm certain of that um, at some point or other anyway. To some degree, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so wh- wh- it's when and whatever degree. But I think the, there's a massive um, potential there because fans will be so happy to be back at games. And the league, the quality in the league still is, like when you think of that Rovers-Dundalk game, that's when it all kind of ground to a halt. The league is in a very good place in many ways. And I think... In, ma- they, in, in, many, in many ways. ways. And but many not, ways but, it not, but, but not in all ways. Not in all ways. But the fact I think is that like, crowds back next season um, with the quality of the teams in the in the division with uh, some of the players we have in the league and I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for it. It does kind of feel like we're on the edge of something special and it, it will take time but I, I still think... I don't know. Like I think I still think the quality needs to be better. To be it honest. does. You know, it does, I think, yeah. Like I think that we have some good games and good moments but um, like for example and listen we, we haven't got a back for it. That is a really talented Rovers side but they they actually haven't been pushed enough. And as, as, as we no. see, as we see then, and I do agree with the point, the, the high intensity test that Dundalk got brought them on to the point where they, they, they you know, they, they, they were sharper uh, at key points of the cup final, yet Rovers like have been the better side across the year. So like, that's the point, like that you need to expose our better teams to better games more often and they don't get them enough. And like, this is the problem. Um, you know, even in a, in a curtailed season, a lot of seasons finished in a, a lot of teams finished in a run. You know, like and, and that doesn't always dictate quality. So we would have slightly different views. You know, and I know we joke about it, but we sort of you know talk about all the team, all the League of Ireland teams that would have done better in Europe when there's no there's no real evidence to back it up. Unfortunately, on no, the basis no. of what of what they're of, of what they're doing domestically, like they can't some of them can't score at home. So not necessarily going to score against Rapid Vienna. But listen, let, let's not go over old ground. I mean, we've done 30 shows this year. We started off in a TV studio, staring longingly into the camera like a particularly, uh, a particularly exaggerated Butch Harmon uh, sign-off during a golf coverage. And we've, right. uh, we've, we've ended up that in... That honestly seems lo- like lo- about three years lo- ago. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, 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 what, it's 11 months ago or 10 months ago now. We've had lockdown we've had um you know we've had uh, sort of the you know the top 50 lists and discussions around that we've had uh, we've had Niall Quinn on in that sort of impasse that went on for 10 to 12 weeks about where the Again, game was going like two years ago yeah we've had we've had all sorts of um things happening in in, a, in our in our lives in that period of time you know so it's well been, i have uh, to say your 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 handling of uh, mia there yesterday was a, a sight to behold like i couldn't oh, you, you, did, you did you did visit yesterday yeah you did visit bringing her along to league of ireland league games. when sure. she's when, when we is old enough to go to league of ireland games and and all that i wonder i wonder where we'll be at will we be just discussing so, the same old problems know. so some some would say that this podcast has given me experience of of uh, managing sort of Volatile, you know, changeable moods. Temp, you know, temperature. Yeah, maybe it's Stockholm syndrome for me. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, it, it could be something like that. But um, on, the, on that note, um, yeah, we we probably. But it's been good. 
we shall, we, 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 we'll, I want to we'll, just thank uh, thank everyone, obviously, for listening. Yes, um, there are a lot of podcasts out there, and we don't underestimate the fact that um, you know you people have listened in for four seasons now, and and particular thanks to Lotto Land for like really really important sponsorship this season, and um, you know when when this show obviously did become a podcast again, um, and I think we kind of uh, we've probably had some drawn out podcasts, Dan. We've we probably had uh, you know a, an, an aspiration that they'd be shorter, but we've we've been I think we've just been very happy to be able to talk so, about the League of Ireland. Yeah, and um, we've had some people point out that they're cleaning garages or doing whatever, and like yeah, um, it's, it's it's probably been a different type of year for people. Probably less commuting. I think a lot of people listen to us when commuting or going to games. Like a big thing for us would be on a Friday doing a shout out and getting people to you know download the pod and listen on the way to the match. And of course, we haven't had that because fans mm. have just been you know sat at home sort of for long periods of time. So. And we do really appreciate all the support and messages. I don't think, I think that we got through the entire season without even doing a rate and review shout, but we probably should say that we do appreciate any feedback, what we can do better, any reviews, anything like that. We, we, do, uh, we do welcome it um, because ultimately it is still, it's a show for the listeners. Yeah. And, and occasionally it's like you off, I suppose, and- as well. But listen, you know, I love you really. No, nice, nice touch from uh, pigs to to mention the two Hughes that had uh, the two Derry fans that had passed away, and you you think of obviously Big Deck, you think of uh, Harry in particular, who uh, John Kennedy and Cork as well. You know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, a lot of... across the league. Maybe it was felt a bit more this year, um, but you, you do feel that you know. I think going back next season as a supporter. Um, you'll have found a newfound appreciation for just going being being alive and being able to go to watch your football team play because. Um, this season, uh, you know, it's funny, Dan. I was like saying uh, 18 games is a joke. It's nowhere near enough. But to be honest, by the end, I wasn't that unhappy that it was over. It's just like, let's get into 2021 and start afresh. Yeah. No, I, I, I sort of get your point. But I mean, it was still very congested and when, when it did, when the football did come back and it, it did get to the stage. It's like the football without fans thing. As I said, it was a great novelty at first. But it did get to the stage towards the end where it was like, listen, these games are... Like this is playing to give people work and to keep them employed yeah. and, and and so on. But it 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 was there's a degree of soullessness about it. I think even I think even I've spoken to players who won silverware who admitted that it still didn't feel the way it should have. Like even you know, you know, the there should have been and, and I'm sure there was for people who watched it, but like, you know, for example, Rovers winning the league after sort of nine years should have been an event. And I mean it was an event in people's lives, but it wasn't the event ah, that, it, it was, that it should have been. It was know? and uh, like you know, so oh, you're thinking of you're thinking of Rovers, Milan, and like you know th- those Dundalk games. As much as maybe the, maybe in an alter in an alternative world with two legged games, maybe these ties wouldn't have happened or whatever. But God Almighty, what a yeah, I mean, even if I think Dundalk with uh, I think Dundalk with a crowd behind them might have done slightly better as well. I'm speculating, but the the, the teams, the smaller teams with with a, a vocal home crowd, it does give them a bit of an edge in those games. And even the game last night would have been an unbelievable occasion. And um, yeah, it was bizarre, and, and like a, and it's bizarre, you know, the surreal nature of the year. As in, like, and I, I mentioned this in my piece in the paper, like that. You know, you had a Premier League team in Dublin. If you said it start if you said at the start of twenty twenty, like the dog be managed by Italians, uh, playing Arsenal, scoring twice against them in an empty Aviva Stadium in December, like you would have been sort of. Uh, People What's would have requested to see that, and you know, I was I come home and I was watching some of the coverage back, you know, and Owen Hargreaves and Martin Keown 
debating the Dundalk contract situation and what it all means. <laughs> 2020 is just like one big sort of, uh, I don't know, like, a, like the type of sort of festival weekend you might have gone on when you were younger. So did that really happen? Did that actually all happen? And there is that sort of surreal aspect to it. And uh, yeah. Bring on, yes. bring on, bring 2020. on 2021. Let's hope thanks. for a better one. Hopefully we're back and uh, we will... Yeah, we will yeah. Talk to you then. thanks to everyone in air, uh, particularly uh, Chris and the boy Owen, who's um, had to put together these uh, podcasts via the Zoom, which I'd never heard of, I have to say, 12 months ago. Um, and uh, he's been a trooper as well. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, thank, but thanks. Great fellow as well. Very, very, uh, very active. Um, if actually people want to improve themselves, over the winter. Don't they listen wanna, to this they, podcast. They, 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 well, don't listen to this podcast. They're going to sweat off some of those Christmas pounds. Just go to, find Owen Byrne on Instagram and what you will see at various times of the day, just doing various physical pursuits and endeavours, um, just to highlight that he's just become a sort of a supreme specimen um, compared to the rest of us. In fact, during the four years of this podcast, he has basically got fitter and we've probably got Fatter, I would say, you know. So if you want to improve, speak, own burn. Speak, speak for yourself, actually. Well, actually, I'm not even sure that I have. I think, to be honest, there's a lot to be said for stress as a weight loss, yeah. weight, weight yeah. loss aid. But um, we're yeah, dragging so, the life out of this um, now, to be honest. Yeah, we, we are. But listen, you know, if people have stuck with us this long, Johnny, yeah, they, they probably don't mind. Uh, yeah. Everyone else is tuned off and But we're done. We'll be back. We hope. And uh, just to all those Dundalk fans out there, I still love the town. Thanks to you all. Chat to you hopefully in 2021. But there are limits to your life.